you a collaborative forecast and also an accidental forecast in the sense that um, the audio that I'm about to be sharing with you is from class, my program Meteorite. And this class was not held or recorded with the intention that it was going to be shared. But the conversation I felt was so revelatory that I wanted to share it. So I um, edited it down um, to just a portion of the class and asked the students permission whose voices you'll hear from if it was okay to share it. And what this was, was that for class, I had prepared some material on the two upcoming eclipses so that we could talk about it in our group. And these eclipses are October 25th and November 8th of 2022. You'll hear from Verena Borrell, Christopher Marmalejo, and Shahir Shukor, who have all been on this podcast before. And they each shared things that illuminated me. And, you know, our our whole class was really lit up by this conversation. Um, and I, as I was saying, this class was longer than this and I edited it down and I wanted to quote them. Um, I was thinking about writing a forecast and kind of like redoing everything and quoting them in writing. And then I was like, this is very complicated. How about I just edit the audio of class? Um, so we really explored the eclipses through some specific tarot cards associated with the placements. You'll hear about the relationship of this particular eclipse season to the five of cups, the 10 of swords, the six of cups and the six of pentacles. Christopher is teaching another round of his amazing legendary thresholds tarot course soon. And all three of these guests are readers. Um, they're all astrologers. Two of them offered tarot readings. So I will leave the links to their websites in the show notes. And an announcement before we begin, I'm teaching Dragon of the Moon and Evolutionary Astrology Initiation come late February of 2023. So a couple months away. And this is a run of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, but it's back with a new name. And this is an opportunity to become fluent in evolutionary astrology to develop your grounding in the world of archetypes and to learn how to read the natal chart from the perspective of the soul's ongoing evolution. That is a vision of yourself as a being who has been here before and will be here again, who has brought context into this life and has purpose, has dharma, has things that you're unwinding, unraveling, leaning in toward in this lifetime. This um, form of astrology is something that I consider a wisdom school, and I've been growing up alongside it since it found me when I was 21 years old. So if you would like to study astrology with me in an intimate group container, and by intimate, I mean, we form a tight-knit community, we become friends, we're really a community, um, check out the course page and apply. I will leave that in the notes. And I look forward to inviting you in deeper to the world of astrology and mythopoetic soul knowing. And I'll leave you to this collaborative forecast, this snippet from class, um, which I think you'll find packed with insights and poetics and musings of this current moment in time from a perspective of the theater and drama that it really can be an eclipse season. So we're looking at a season that stirs the soul and we're looking at a particular narrative of how the soul is stirred right now. Um, so if you've been in it, if you've been feeling it, I hope that this will be illuminating and validating and opening for you. One other thing, there's a few points where I say quote, end quote, and I'm referring to, um, quoting Benabel Wen's tarot interpretations from the Spirit Keepers Tarot. And I just added in the quote, end quote, because I had these quotes on the screen, but you can't see them. So just as a listener, I wanted to really differentiate when I was referring to Benabel Wen's delineations of the tarot cards. Um, I love her tarot deck and pretty much use it every day. So it's a really big part of my oracular and divinatory life. So we're looking at the next two eclipses. Um, 
It is part of a continuing storyline of the past eclipses that we've had on the Scorpio Taurus axis. Um, so we can get those dates up as well for reflection, but we have October 25th and November 8th. And I was inspired to look into them for just some basic storyline pieces, um, bringing in the, um, tarot associations. So I'll just share, um, what I was looking at and what I was thinking about and hear from you all of like, if you are feeling these themes play out already, um, and what's going on. And also if you have your own delineations, um, about the upcoming eclipses that you want to share. So just to bring in the chart, we have this first eclipse will be taking part with a Venus Kazemi in Scorpio. And it's a south node eclipse with Uranus on the north node where that's been. And so we still have this active Saturn-Uranus square that's playing into this current time and also being like amplified by eclipse season. So this was something that I caught myself like stopping to even think about this year because I was like, oh, that was a 2021 thing, <laughs> but it's very active. It's very tight. They're only like a degree away. So there is something about... um these kind of breakdown and breakthrough situations or coming up against the outer limits or edges of um, the kind of boundaries of our consciousness or our paradigm. And then at a very physical level, I think like the mundane astrology of like supply chain shortages and just the kind of like wonky, like discombobulated, like figuring out like uh, life and like the global situation as the pandemic kind of integrates into the world in a different way um, than it being this immediate um, new situation. So it's still this kind of like interesting liminal space. Um, but at a personal level, there's something say like historic that's up for paradigm shift. Um, and I think the way it's coming through is fairly confrontational and um, intense, right? Like not Maybe sometimes there's those like gentle moments of like a vision and a meditation or something, but I think there is more of a confrontational aspect to it. And then the, um, this particular eclipse, the sun and moon are disposited by a stationing Mars. This is going to go retrograde on the 30th. So we have Mars pretty much at a standstill, like slowing way, way down and squaring Neptune. And this particular moment, kind of what was coming up when I look at this, like thematically is the five of cups as the tarot association for this first decan of Scorpio. Um, I'll share a picture in a moment, but the, there's this kind of moment of say like disappointment or unfulfilled hopes or something like that. Um, disposited by Mars and the decan of the 10 of swords ouch. <laughs> right. Okay. So there's this, I think something going on about like something not going the way we planned and then feeling like that, like the 10 of swords pictures, like someone with 10 swords in their back. So you have this kind of moment of say, like, uh, disposited Brina means like ruled by. And so I'm using the traditional, uh, rulership of Scorpio in this case to get Mars here. Um, but it's also Mars square Neptune. So I think there's something about that theme of like disillusionment or dissolving or making way for another way of looking at the situation. So something that I was thinking of along these lines um, is kind of like the way that like on an ongoing way, I've been thinking about Mars Neptune. I'll just pause the share for now. As an examination of where our thoughts are internally um, energizing versus internally like violent, right? Like the intrusive thought or the thought stream with that kind of like Mars and Gemini square Neptune that diffuses our life force. So when we're going in the realm of say, like what could have been, or it should have been this way, if things I had just gone, you know, if I'd made this other choice or this other person had done this then, and like that kind of mental turmoil, and it comes with a paradigm or a belief that something is wrong Right. And the situation would be better if it were different. And I think that that's like a, 
pain point that I see like maybe coming up or being kicked up with the South node in Scorpio and like that whole kind of stream of events. Um, and so why is that being kicked up? That's kind of the question, right? Like that material is coming up. Um, and how does that work with our kind of soul work at this time? I think I was noticing too, like on Facebook, someone posted a status, like talking about how they're grateful for all of their exes because it led them to the person that they're with now. And they're like, I learned all these lessons, you know, but there's the, um, grief after something has ended to kind of imagine like what it could have been, um, or to feel that, yeah, something has passed us by. Uh, but the symbolism of that five of cups and like the 10 of swords feels like that kind of dynamic of something's gone awry and like, it's done, or it seems like it's done. Is everyone like following me on that? And then, um, let's see, I want to share some photos that I have that were like connected to this. This is from my favorite, um, This is one of my favorite tarot decks, uh, Benabel Wen's Spirit Keepers Tarot. But I just think this like five of cups image is so beautiful. You have this like wilting Dahlia and the cup spilling over. Um, and I think her, her writing and like the way she presents things is very like sharp, but all of the cards are kind of like prayers in some sense too. And so there was a way that, um, she describes the meaning of the card that I wanted to bring in. There's also so much detail. It feels like a very like Mars and Gemini like resource. This delineation of the five of cups is from Benabel Wen in her book, Spirit Keepers Tarot. When the five of chalices greets you, it probably hasn't been the best of times. The world and the people around you have drained you south note of everything you've got. And for some reason, you've got it in your heart that it's your fault. The forces at play were much bigger than you realized, sourced from far beyond your line of sight, rooted in events far beyond the events of your life. In the end, it still would have all played out like this, so there's no use looping around the question what if or replaying the past in your mind. The grotesque as an archetype and genre of fiction and art is a distortion of norms that blurs the preconceived line between us and the other. It will be a collective pain and suffering that unites them all. This is the spirit of mourning, loss, failure, disappointment, and feeling like the grotesque one, never truly belonging, fearing what others might think if they saw your true self, wondering if you can ever be loved for who you really are. And yet that, that which scares others, what you believe to be your scars in time, you will learn this are the source of your formidable powers. Here, the Dahlia is an omen, but also a talisman for navigating a major life change, one where the change is uncomfortable and unsettling. Though there can be an ominous undertone to the Dahlia, we also see a symbolic stand-in for Dahlia, the goddess of fate. So something else here that I wanted to highlight. Quote, we're seeing the loss, but not seeing the untapped power and potential of the situation or condition. End quote. You see what's happening in the chat. I know this is kind of like going in, but that's like the, um, I'm thinking about, yeah, I'll just pause there and see if anyone has any reflections, thoughts at this point so far. Is this resonant or like darker than what it feels like right now? It's resonant for me. Um, oh, do you want to continue, Sabrina? 
Or sure. I just wanted to check in with the, yeah. Like what you're thinking too, if you want to share. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that it is very um, similar to what I experience and feel with the uh, Neptune, Mars, Neptune square. So what I experience at the moment, and I can relate that so much to the, I have not thought about the tarot cards because I did not know that they are associated, but that it is so much about this um, letting go of control and micromanagement. So, which comes with a sense of grief for me. So really having this idea of um, aligning my will, Mars, with a higher will and that I cannot understand on a mental level yet um, why some of my plans that I had in my head um, are maybe not working out as I want them to work out. So this feeling of grief and loss and um, the feeling of not having everything under control um, and maybe not yet see what the beauty of the situation might be. So I think that's really the vibe. Yeah. And yeah. Maybe one, one uh, last thought to that um, when I prayed about that or when I meditated about that, um, my guides told me that um, it is actually a relief to have not the idea that I can control everything so that I can just have best intentions, check in with my heart, set out um, the um, bring it into the world. So having best intentions, set an impulse, but I cannot control it. I don't have to control what happens. Right. There. So much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot, Verena, too, about like the dynamic between grief and like the ways we bargain to try to not feel grief, which can come in the form of trying to change the situation or trying, you know, just being in the fantasy of what would have been like if my desires came true the way I planned or my plans came to fruition. And that's just like a way of like mentally staving off the deeper feeling state of the grief. Um, and the grief, you know, I feel that can bring us to like the 10 of swords. Cause I think there's a way that like wrestling with grief and trying to avoid it prolongs the experience, um, and creates a lot of friction. Whereas like plunging right into the grief and that kind of like swords, you know, it's like this intense feeling and then it kind of moves. Um, and there was this way that Um, Benabel was delineating that card. So this is the picture, right? Nice and intense, <laughs> the destroyer in terms of the card meaning quote, it's like this spirit might initially feel ominous, but it represents the spiritual catharsis, a sense of purging or purification. If you seek advancement, then first dismantle dogma. You are holding on too tightly to the beliefs and ideologies you were indoctrinated with. End quote. So destruction or dismantling of that which has been institutionalized. I could see this at an internal level too. Um, quote. This part, writers are familiar with the instructive maxim, kill your darlings. The phrase refers to extraneous prose that only serves to amplify the author's ego and pride, but does, do not substantially serve the narrative. Thus, in the revision phase, such sentences ought to be removed from the manuscript. Likewise, the Ten of Swords is about excising from your life that which does not advance your sole purpose. End quote. Um... So that, you know, I feel like considering that in relationship to Neptune and this like whole storyline, it's like I've been really tracking the places where my mind is taking me to self-pity or like a sense of like, oh, but it could have been this way. And like the way that I'm almost being called to have discipline to like kill my darlings, you know, of like my... um 
these thoughts that aren't really helping, but there's a deeper call to action in terms of reorienting to soul purpose. Um, Verena. Yeah, sorry. I have so many thoughts about that because it's right on my, my Mars in Gemini is in 25 Gemini. Um, and what you are, what you're now read, um, the, the card description, I think it's so, so much about this, um, this killing your darlings <laughs> with gentleness of Neptune. So really letting the waves of Neptune and Pisces wash away all of these thought patterns and, and things where you stick too much to um, conditionings or to thought patterns that does no longer serve to you. And I think that it is really, in a way, a brutal and harsh way. Yeah, I was going to say, it may not be gentle. <laughs> yeah, it's like... So the gentleness of the ocean, I mean, you know, it's... it's the ocean will can kill people. <laughs> I, mean that, I, I mean exactly that. The gentleness, quote unquote, of the ocean that can... Okay. <laughs> Water can feel gentle in a way, but can kill you. So I think that there is this <laughs> killing it softly thing in a way. <laughs> you know, it's it's really, it's really, it can be so feel like you lose. I think that this Mars Neptune and together with this card, it really feels like losing yourself. It's a way of an ego death, but not ego so death, much yeah. Plutonian ego death, but a Neptunian ego death, which feels more like a dissolving and more like, who am I? Where am I? It's, it's kind of, it's less being in the underworld. It's more like, yeah, really dissolve and you cannot blown out any longer. Yeah. And I think that the beauty of that is that really what remains is your truth. And yeah, that is a nice little spin cycle. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard. And just a question for me um, that I um, have it right in my mind. So um, the Ten of Swords is the tarot card for the last decade. So for oh, Gemini. Okay, for 2229 Gemini. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because the description of the card feels like a big part of my life. So I have Mars and Kyle. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. I know those cards. <laughs> um Christopher, I saw you. I don't normally call you Christopher. <laughs> Chris, I saw you um, raise your hand. Did you want to say something? Yes, I, the Christopher. I know I'm trying. I myself am trying to get people to call me Christopher, but I'm just like so used to Chris. But anyhow, um, maybe that's this what happened. Yeah. Maybe. Um, one for me, like similar to Verena, but in a different end. This is my Venus return, like so, right at two degrees. And I have a stellium like in this decade. And also Verena and anyone else, you know, if you want to learn the tarot astro correspondences, you know where to go. Um, but the, but I was thinking too with like Mars's station and the retrograde that that Ten of Swords moment isn't is or as is rather um, not as final as we think. You know, that Ten of Swords moment is like generally when you pull it is a great relief of like. It's like that card for me is such a relief where it's like you feel the tension in the eight and the nine. But like by the ten of swords, the thing is dead. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yes, it's a bitter moment of reflection, but that person is no longer suffering. They're no longer like that mental cage has fallen away. But the fact that Mars is stationing makes me think that like the nervous system, like almost when you kill someone, but their body is still like jittering and like nerves are going because the nervous system is still sputtering out it makes me especially like Gemini nerves and you know martial like irritation um it's almost feels like a reanimation like you think you kill I mean we're in Halloween season or whatever like you think you killed the big bad and then like you walk away and it's like no don't turn around because he's about to get up and like haunt you again in some sense in this very like 
you know, haunted tor- tormenting kind of way. And so I think that like what we're being called to release is um, going to take some effort and it's going to take a lot of washing away and a lot of purging. And that Five of Cups, which I love as well, and it depends on the deck as well too. Like some, sometimes it, it is a course of grief, um, but it is a purging. Both of those cards speak to purging in a, a different location, like a mental clarity where you're like, oh my God, I finally see the delusion in the Ten of Swords. Like that's, I was in a cage and now I don't have to be in prison anymore. Like that whole identity of the prisoner or the victim is gone. But the Five of Cups with the grieving over, um, like I was literally just writing about this last night in terms of like grieving the savior that never came. Like I thought that like, you know, this white knight lover is going to come and like set me free. And like, I'm still grieved. Like, even though I recognize that there's a delusion now, <laughs> I'm still grieving that disappointment. And, and yet those two cups still standing I think is the ways are the ways that our heart is more intelligent than our conscious knowing and still holds space for fulfillment um, that is yet to be. Like even you can be in the throes of it in the undertow, but like somewhere within you is like this resilient capacity for like what is yet to be. Like what is the fulfillment that like more love to come in a sense. Like all like you can turn to the past. I think there's definitely an emphasis of like turning to what has been lost, um, but the discipline of reorienting yourself towards what could be what is yet to be is is i think a discipline and um i just yeah it's been really helpful for me so that's and especially again because it's like my venus return it's such an eclipse and i'm just trying to have like no expectation i'm really trying to release and purge myself and i think both of those cards sorry i'm going on but like is a um like like i think of the movie um what is it? Wayne, not Wayne's world. <laughs> Jim Carrey, he was like stuck in the like media world that he thought was his world. Oh, the world, Truman really Show? Truman. The Truman Show, yes. Um, and that like releasing that worldview or living in that world could be scary because you're like, well, then I'm returning to darkness. I'm returning to blindness. But like you're already living in blindness. You were actually living in delusion. So like actually returning to the dark is the first time that you're seeing your own ignorance your own blindness without that delusion and then you can listen and then what could be you know and so i think there's something like turning to the dark that is frightening but necessary and honest um i feel like especially with the eclipse and like the absence of light and all that you know yeah i'll stop there <laughs> i'm Whoa. all like up and up and because i'm like <laughs> thank you thank you for sharing that um yeah, that just added so much richness. Um, and I think this idea of like waking up to illusion, but still not knowing and like that liminality, um, I can really relate to that or feel that kind of in the field. Um, whew, I'm going <laughs> to keep digesting that. <laughs> um, so. Let me think if there's anything else. Does anyone else want to reflect on this first eclipse? Because we're going to carry this storyline out to the full moon. I'm Farina. I hope it's okay that I share something because I really feel called to share that after Steph has shared. Um, I mean, Sabrina, you already said that we have a Venus Kazemi, but actually the um, exact Venus Kazemi is on the 22nd and it's in Libra. So Venus will have her um, um, Venus Kazemi in Libra squaring Pluto. And this is the midway point of the whole 19-month Venus cycle. So Venus is now in the underworld. She's at the, at the 22nd. She is farthest away from Earth in her whole cycle. So she's behind the sun. And what Steph just experienced these and all of but this, this release, being naked within your truth. So Venus in the Inanna myth at that moment is naked in the underworld. She dies and after three days, she um, she resurrects um, and reclaims her true power and her truth. So this is a moment of total nakedness and of 
in a square to Pluto, Venus started her cycle in January in a conjunction to Pluto. Now she's in a square aspect to Pluto. So there's all of these letting go of everything where we try to please Libra others in relationships and for that reason are not true to ourselves and all of these purging deep deep cleansing processes with Pluto and really taking our power um, back to us and really becoming aware where we give our power away and where we um, try to please others and therefore gave our power away. And I think it's a big, huge moment of reclamation within partnerships, but within our relationship to other things too. Um, and I think that this is just two to three days before these huge eclipse. And at the eclipse, Venus is already in Scorpio. So that's huge. And I um, just watched... Um, a video because I was I was I was aware because I studied the Venus cycle last year that now we have this eclipse and it's in a square to uh, we have this Venus Kazemi halfway point underworld and so on but I was not aware that it's on 29 degree Libra and for the next hundred years or so the Venus star point will be in Libra and not longer in Scorpio so for the last hundred and years or so this Venus star point was always in Scorpio. And now it is for the first time since more than 100 years in Libra. And for the next 100 years, it's in Libra. So there is this Libra-Scorpio thing between really, yeah, nakedness and truth in relationships and where we are in codependencies or where we are giving our power away or where we are emotionally and um, energetically entangled and therefore not true to ourselves. So I think there is something going on that is really intense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Farina, thank you for bringing in the Venus cycle because that's really um deeply evocative and I feel like even just that image of like Venus at the farthest point away from earth or like in the underworld um and just that sense of like some type of polarization happening around um desire right or like a sense of what we value that's um creating a sense of transformation um Wow. And then also, I didn't know this hundred year cycle shift, but that also feels really um, beyond and like kind of maybe something connected to the five of cups talking about there's like this timeline beyond what we can even imagine. And so we're in this like deep Venusian shift. And here we're having these like experiences with our own hearts and our relationships when it's like this global, like cosmic era shift. Um, what podcast, the Venus star point, the Venus star point, um, there is a podcast interview on the astrology podcast with Ariel Gutmann, um, about this shift between Libra and Scorpio. Um, and I just wanted to, uh, to mention that, uh, I did an EA zoom meetings video about the whole Venus cycle. I think it was in February or so. So you, when you Google ESU meetings, Verena Borel or, or Venus, um, yeah, you can find that and watch that for free. But the um, astrology podcast episode is really good. Thank you, Verena. Um, okay, <laughs> this is lighting me up so much. I feel like this is, I'm just like getting so many downloads. So. I'm going to come back to the November eclipse as kind of like a, um, I don't know if I actually even pulled it up. So let me bring that up. I've been thinking about um, the dynamic of, maybe you saw like I watched <laughs> the never ending story and like posted on my stories on Instagram about it. I'd never seen it before, but that film blew my mind in so many ways, but um, I've been thinking of the dynamic in ceremony, 
but also in the ceremony of life, right? So like when we're actually in a ceremony on a plant medicine or like doing a ceremony that is say like fasting and like my friend Carla, like fasting and dancing under the moon and doing sweat lodges and doing these things that take you to an edge where you're like, I don't know if I can even like persevere, like (laughs) uh, that kind of, you know, and then when life is a ceremony, um, such as when I've been healing with these stitches in my mouth of like had so many, like, I'm never going to get better, like fear, like whatever, you know, like any kind of event that takes us under, brings us into a ceremonial space. Right. And that could be falling in love. It could be heartbreak, anything that has that quality of it's like animating your life to a particular edge. Um, there's part of the initiation that I feel like is, about being worked to an extreme and then there is a resolution, but it, you're brought to an edge where you're not sure you can't even imagine, right. You can have faith or know like, well, I've gotten through this every other time, but this time it really feels like I'm going to die, you know? And like that quality, I just think there's something about this eclipse season. That's kind of like, you know, South node eclipse comes first with those kind of like catharsis oriented cards. And then we have a full moon eclipse with an exalted moon conjunct Uranus conjunct the North node. And that's a different energy, right? Like there's maybe something about um, finding the freedom or finding the liberation, but also the tarot cards associated with this decan of Scorpio and Taurus are um, I think softer, like, right? Like we have the six of cups and the six of pentacles. Um, so I, I'm going to pull something up around that. So actually I feel like the sixes are ones that I'm still like learning to understand more, but something that I'm thinking of I saw a post on Facebook from Eli Marcus, who Eli Marcus is just like a straight up channel. I feel like he's always tapped in. Uh, He's not an astrologer, but he'll say things. And I'm like, these are the, the transits. Like he's a live wire, like Aquarius. But he was talking about like, if you're jealous, like right now, basically stop. Like if you're imagining like blowing up someone else's ship, like you're wanting to be destructive because you're jealous. Um, like recognize that there's something that they have that you, you know, is similar to you. Like you're wanting to be in that same like marketplace as them. So like go, um, orient yourself towards service instead. Um, and that kind of was giving me a thought about how, like when things feel bad, like when things have gone awry or like there's this catharsis and a sense of like, what's the point? Maybe I'll just give up. Fuck this. Like all of that, like kind of turmoil, that one of the silver linings is that the more that this kind of situation works us, we do get insight on how to move forward um, in terms of, you know, maybe something is connecting us to our life purpose, right? Like I think about um, when I've felt rejected um, or I've gone through a breakup or whatever it is. And like a way that I end up coping is like, well, I guess I'm just going to like go harder into my own path because it's here, you know? And I used to relate to that kind of as like a, well, I'll just do that because it's here, but I think it is actually kind of the point. And so having these experiences that jar us or like bring up these turbulent emotions, I think can be a mirror in some sense for like how to get back on track. And I think there's something too, even like what Christopher was saying, like can I say Christopher now, Christopher was saying about those two cups still standing and like still being open to fulfillment is that I think there's something about like sitting with the emotional turmoil or devastation that has just occurred knowing that we're not quite necessarily at the perfect solution of it where everything feels better, but we can effort ourselves towards something meaningful, build something North node moon and Taurus, um, and trust the like impending liberation of that. Um, 
Christopher. <laughs> I was like, Christopher. <laughs> I so I so appreciate that. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, it's um, this, yeah, your image, like with the six of pentacles on the screen is reminding me of like one of our own personal moments that we've had together and like, like wisdom you shared with me. Uh, and what you're sharing here is like, so if life hands you, the, like if we have ample supply of disappointment, of loss, of pain, of pleasure, like then that six of pentacles is the ethos of recyclability of like nothing goes to waste. I'm going to make something out of this. I'm going to redeem this somehow. And I hear that in what you're saying of like, and I'm, I'm very much the same. It's like, well, if I, all of that is outside of my control and all I have is like this disappointment, then let me use that as a fuel source instead to boss up or like, you know, to, to be me, to manifest this next level. And, um, and I think of that six of pentacles so much as, as the alchemy of like literally turning, like exchanging something, like I'm going to make something out of this. And that, that is, uh, I think, um, the ethos that you can have that stabilizes you when dealing with like circumstances outside of your control. You know what I mean? Like, cause they're always going to be outside of your control to a degree. And so like, but if you have the determination that no matter what life brings you, you are going to make something out of it because nothing is worthless and your experiences are not for nothing. You are not for mm. nothing. Then um, I think that's the thing there is feeling there. And I like that. Like, I don't, I don't really think about it before, but your presencing of the South node coming first and then the North node flips um, feels really potent as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love this. Like nothing is worthless. Nothing is worthless. Nothing has been for naught. And like, how do we, yeah, recycle. Um, so heroic, <laughs> those moments, because it's like the opposite pole is such a swamp, like really. Um, and it, yeah, it takes a lot of heart. Yeah, I think there's something about, um, there was a prayer that M Miguel, the Wachuma shaman that I was working with shared of like, something like great spirit, like help me remember that my healing is always happening. Even if I can't see it, that, you know, past disappointments, um, oh, that life can still be beautiful no matter what has happened. Um, and I find a lot of like strength in that particular prayer, because I do think there is, um, the moment of impact where from our limited perspective, um, we really feel like something has been lost. And then with time, um, and the accumulation of other circumstances and getting to see the thread carry through new, wonderful things happen that like we wouldn't have gotten there. We wouldn't have even been on that timeline had that past disappointment not occurred. Um, and we just can't see it in that very moment. And so I think there's something about like leaning into the, the soul work of how do we orient to a moment in time where we can't see the fruition yet. Um, we're moving toward it or like, we're in an unknown liminal space. So are we projecting continued disappointment and continued despair onto the timeline? Or do we trust that there is a resolution on its way that we can't even understand or see? Um, and I really like the prayer of praying to spirit, help me remember, um, because of that, where it's like a, like literally asking for support of like, help me reroute my consciousness, like help me remember. And on that note too, the water card. So the one for Scorpio is going to be the six of cups, um, which I've tended to associate with childhood and nostalgia. Um, let's see. I love this <laughs> picture. Um, it's like little baby animals. Um, these are all like every card in this deck is so rich. Right. So there's something too about this pleasantness of nostalgia, except when it goes to an extreme and becomes a mirage. So I think there's also something there about like, this potential to project idealism onto the past of like, Oh, those were the good times or something, which is a way of not being present. 
Um, I think like spiritually too, when I think about like the inner child or kind of like that state of innocence, um, or the state of kind of like, what did we move toward as a kid before we internalize the message not to, um, as like a kind of return to some core essence part of us. And I think that, um, whenever I experience disappointment or heartbreak or things like that, it really does bring me into conversation with my inner child because she's the one that feels that the absolute hardest. Um, and I think there's something where there's this quality of like being able to be with the pain or like be with that material, but also offer some kind of like healing or holding of it so that the storyline can move forward. Um, and the situation that's causing the distress is kind of a mirror of what, what do we value now that it has been challenged? Um, and what do we kind of like make with that moving forward? So any thoughts on these cards or on this, um, full moon arc? Shahir. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I can choose that. Um, I was thinking a lot about the movement from the five of cups into the six of pentacles through the lens of like, um, like, I don't know. I think it's just, a, I think I'm resonating with everything that's been said, but I think, you know, in the story of five of cups, you only are left with the two. And then I feel like in the six of cups, we, we got it all, right? We got all six in a way. And then I, I felt that kind of like, resonance of like the almost the intervention or a sense of like the bounty or like the sense of like the fruit is waiting and then something about the six of cups also reminds me of about like changing our ways of going after those desires as well i feel like um the five of cups has taught us in a way that we are disappointed, which is, you know, we need to sit, sit with like the disappointment, the grief um, that has been there, you know, and Scorpio too. Like I always see like Scorpio, like as like the well, like, you know, as a body of water. And so it, it takes a while for it to kind of like be processed in some ways. Um, however, with the six of cups and the six of pentacles dynamic, there is a sense of, help or there is a sense of like a new um way of going after it and going after it with your inner child and i think that i was just thinking about maybe when we're talking about that axis it is about our needs and you know our, our needs and our desires are always evolving um but so too as a way that we are pursuing it in a way that was just like i, I think what came to my mind was that recently for me it's just a very personal example i feel um Recently, I really wanted like a buy, like a Jupiter talisman thing. And then I just like, I just tweeted about it. I just like for fun. I was like, ah, oh, like I literally had no desire of like doing a fundraising, whatever. Um, and then I was just like, oh, I'm just like, oh, I'm just having fun and tweeted this. And I think Palace came in and I was like, oh, why don't you do it fundraising for it? I'm like, oh yeah. Um, and so, I mean, yeah. So that felt like such a trigger for me to even be doing, but I just felt like, that is a more liberatory way of like asking and receiving in a way. It's just like, how can we, you know, Uranus is there. How can we revolutionize the way that we ask, receive and give? And so, I mean, it is always a reciprocal kind of relationship. And the six is the number of Venus. And so um, I was just thinking about that as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Oh, that resonates so deeply. And I feel like um, even like the Mars stationing in between this is, is about a shift in how we pursue or how we take action. Um, and it has me thinking too about like, if like inner child psychology or something and like the way that when we're acting from like, a younger part of ourselves that sometimes like in, in adult situations, it doesn't actually work. And then it reinforces the sense of, Oh, I can't have what I want. And it's like, no, there was a way about trying to get it that was repelling actually having or actually receiving. And so there's this kind of 
almost like reorientation of like worthiness with Taurus of like, it's okay to have, but maybe there's a different way that I can go about relating to my desires or relating to my desire for nourishment or for having, or for receiving that, like you say, is like revolutionary. Like there's going to be some kind of reworking of that. I appreciate that so much. You can find everyone who you heard from in the show notes. You can also learn more about Dragon of the Moon and apply in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for bearing with the total DIY, like very um, almost like circumstantial style forecast. I just thought it was a really brilliant conversation and wanted to capture it. And maybe in the spirit of recyclability, you know, like working with what we have. It was just such a good convo. And yeah, I wanted to share it, even though my editing and sound quality and whatever, I could get very hung up on that. But um, I think I think you love us anyway. So um, please have a beautiful eclipse season. Please be with your prayers. Um, And thank you for tuning in.